Hello, queens, and welcome to another episode of the Let Me Fix My Crown podcast. In honor of Women History Month, I have been bringing you guys phenomenal queens to use their voices to help you conquer your tomorrow. So today I have a phenomenal queen that I am a fan of and I have been listening to for quite some time. So I would like you guys to all welcome to the queendom, Miss Sheena Tubbs. Hello. (laughs) Sheena, can you introduce yourself to the Let Me Fix My Crown audience and share the story? story behind Black Girls Hill? Yes, ma'am. So my name is Sheena Tubbs. I am a licensed professional counselor, a trauma specialist, and a love addiction coach based in Houston, Texas. And I'm also the founder of Black Girls Heal. And what I do there is I help women heal from the symptoms of love addiction, love avoidance, love deprivation, and the trauma that causes it to make way for the love that they want and to improve their self-love. And Black Girls Heal has been in existence for maybe, oh gosh, coming up on four years now. And um, we've been helping women heal for for a while. So I, I love it. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Now I'm all about raising and elevating and helping our Black queens rise to the highest level. And so it seems like you were doing therapy and then you transitioned into more of a coaching style situation. What inspired you to make that change? Yeah, so I actually started doing, I actually started with a podcast called Love Junkie before Black Girls Heal. And it was focused on helping women heal from, or helping people, not just women, heal from sex addiction and love addiction. And along the way, I started to narrow in. And I also started to see only women who struggle with love addiction in my private practice. And so I love doing that. But the more I talked about it, the more it put words to what women needed around the world, around the globe. And when you're a therapist, you're very tied to helping people um, and certain parameters, which makes sense because it's a very sacred relationship. You want to make sure that it's safe. And so I had to figure out a way to help women um, who weren't in my therapy room, who also needed help and support. And then also just me personally, I'm the woman who I help. You know, I've been on both sides of this. I've struggled with love addiction, love avoidance, um, feeling, feeling very lost, going to therapy and doing all the things and still not being able to make the leaps and the breakthroughs that I wanted to. And so I knew that there were gaps in the process anyways. So I switched into coaching to bridge those gaps that are in between a lot of things that people typically do to heal love addiction, which are things like therapy or 12 subgroups and reading books and all of that. Okay. That's, that's powerful. Uh, how you pivoted and you transitioned. That's, a, that's pretty powerful. It's really dope. And you said that you suffered from, you know, um, and struggled with love, love addiction and, you know, self-worth. Can you tell us a little bit more about your journey? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so the the best place to start is I was, so every person has a, uh, most people have a person in their friend group, if it's not you yourself, who continually struggles with relationships. And so I was someone who had everything that looks great on paper. Um, I had a lot of great friendships. I traveled. I loved to learn. I loved culture. I had, um, um, I think I said I already had like a lot of great friendships. I had a great career. 
Um, but whenever it came to romantic relationships, I kept either feeling stunted or I kept attracting the wrong type of person. Or when someone did really like me, I wasn't really into them. And I saw that over time, it wasn't getting better. And um, I was doing a lot of things to self-medicate um, my low self-worth and my my low self-esteem. And I didn't really have words for it. I just did what everybody told me that you needed to do, which was, Sheena, you just need to love yourself more. You need to work on you. You need to take some time for yourself. You need to, you know, whatever dating techniques they would tell me to do, I would do them. And um, they didn't work out for me. And it just really reinforced this feeling of shame that there was something wrong with me, um, that I was broken because everybody else could do this and I couldn't. And no matter how much I was trying or being open, I kept hitting this block. And so um, I, the death of my mom was a really big, pivotal um, factor in my life because it was unexpected. Um, and because I was already using love and relationships and shopping and food and travel and spending and all this stuff to self-medicate, once my mom passed away, all those things started to, um, escalate. So problems that were already there just got bigger. Um, so the grief of that, a lot of self-medicating things that I was doing sent me to therapy and my therapist at the time, um, was really helping me with like grief and codependency and some other stuff. But when it came to this relationship and love addiction and um, sex addiction stuff, he was like, I don't really know how to help you with this. And he said, did you, have you ever thought about going to sex addicts anonymous? And I'm like, first of all, I'm not a sex addict. <laughs> Second of all, I would never go to those meetings because, because the image that I had in my mind is that there's a lot of creepy people in trench coats who like, you know, preyed on people. And I was like, that's not it for me. And time kept going. And then I started, I got into a relationship with, I had multiple relationships going on at once. I was in an on again, off again relationship with someone who was a narcissist. And I knew that they were a narcissist, but I was still kind of in that flow. I had a relationship, a fantasy relationship with someone who I had a crush on, who I had in my mind, we would have been perfect together, but they were not interested in me. And then I also was connected to someone who was also, um, he was separated. So he wasn't still in relationship, immediate relationship with his wife, but he was separated. And that was always something that I had on my list that I would never do. And so I had to stop and I looked at, it, I was like, what is going on? These are things that I know better. Oh, and by the way, I was a therapist at the time when all this stuff was going on, right? So it's just levels on levels on levels. And so I brought it back to therapy and he said, okay, well, have you ever heard about love addiction? And I was like, okay, tell me more about that because that's, that sounded softer. Um, and he told me more about it and I was like, fine, I'll go. And you know, the whole time I'm thinking like, this is just going to be a waste of time, but I'm going to go. And I remember I went into this room and I go into this room and I'm not seeing what I expected to see. I saw a room full of women who looked normal, women who were professionals, women who were stay-at-home moms, women who were college students, and they started to tell their stories. And I heard myself in each one of them. And I was like, oh, this is, this is what it's been this whole time. And so that's my story. And it just led my recovery journey. Where once I had words to it, I was able to say, okay, this isn't me. This is a trauma response. 
And because I had um, a label for it, I knew that there was a solution for it as well. Wow. Your journey has been hella long. Um, <laughs> but that's what journeys are. They're, they're long and you took the time to take this and took the steps to get to where you needed to be. Like, really. Like, and I, I applaud you because we know that we're not supposed to be doing certain things, but mm-hmm. we're human. We're women. We're not. We're not gods or anything. We have imperfections, right? Right. And so I have to applaud you on that. Now, some hear love addiction and they're like, "Uh, what? What is that?" <laughs> so, Sheena, you specialize in love addiction, attachment, and trauma. What does love addiction mean, and how is this connected to our past trauma? Yes, absolutely. So, first, I want to address kind of like the the like shock of it or even the distrust that is actually a thing because that's actually how I felt when I first heard about it. I was actually working in a um, a clinic that served dual diagnosis, which means that people can come in, they can have multiple diagnoses for different things. So like drug addiction and bipolar or depression, anxiety, all of it. And so I remember I had one client or I had several clients, but at one client and the person who did the assessment before me said that she struggles with drug addiction, but also love addiction. And I was like, love addiction is not a thing. <laughs> like, how can you be addicted to love? Okay. All right. Like people, <laughs> people just be doing the most and I'll do this because it's my job, you know, and all that stuff. Little did I know I was, it was me. And that's why I had pushed so much against it. But what love addiction is, is this the persistent obsession of a person, a relationship, or the fantasy of a person or relationship and mistaking it for love. And it is definitely a trauma response to help you self-medicate feelings of low self-worth, unresolved childhood trauma, where you may not have gotten the love and attention and affirmation that you needed, which are true human needs. Most of us who have gone through childhood trauma, or a lot of us who've gone through childhood trauma, we are very good at negating the importance of emotional nurturance, of um, being connected, of being validated because we've gone our whole lives without it. It's been communicated to us that they are kind of nice to haves, but not really necessary. Like the things that are most important are shelter, money, success, achievement, beauty, all these external things, but the internal needs get neglected. And when we don't know how to give those things to ourselves, when we don't know how to put words to it, we, because there's still needs, we're still going to subconsciously and sometimes consciously go out and look for them. And so we would go out and look for them in relationships to fulfill this hole. But because our template is already off, again, because we come from backgrounds or households where we weren't really given what we needed, in a room of 100 people, we're going to pick the person who's going to neget- neglect that need in the same way that the person before us did as well. Love addiction is actually um, part of a two-sided coin um, of an intimacy disorder. So not everybody will present as a love addict. Sometimes they might present as someone who is more love avoidant. And what that is, is when you, um, it's pretty self-explanatory with the name, but it's when you persistently put up walls to keep people from being as close to you. And love avoidance can look exactly like it sounds like someone who isolates. And so, But most of the time, in my experience, Love avoidance are typically women who are very connected to other people, but no one actually gets to know you. So no one, um, you have either a tough exterior up or you might have a really soft exterior up, 
But the way that you get people to not know you is you spend all your time asking how they're doing or you spend all your time volunteering or you have so many friendships that you don't ever really go deep with everybody. Right. And so what happens with this intimacy disorder is I might be super connected to someone who is an F boy or someone who's not really showing up for me, um, which is my love addicted place. But with people who actually want to get to know me and who are asking me about me, I'm really good at deflecting and being the really good girlfriend for them and talking about them. But no one actually gets let in. Or if I do let them in, it's after I've already solved the problem. I've learned how to do life on my own. And so I don't really know how to be intimate with people, if that makes sense. That makes sense. Yes. That makes a that makes a lot of sense. And you know, I never looked at it that way. Love addiction and love avoidant. I've heard of love avoidant. I've never paid too much attention to love addiction though. Yeah, because this is what people say when I explain them. The number one question I always get from people is, can I be both? Because and this is what what also kind of confused me in this is I would say, you know, I'm so good with my boundaries in certain places and with other places I just regress or it's so hard for me to say no, or I I feel weaker. Um, And it's because you switch depending on the relationship that's in front of you. Now that makes sense. Okay. Now maybe this is, maybe this is wrong, but um, does, how does this differ from codependency? So um, every person who struggles with love addiction is codependent but not every person who is codependent is a love addict. So Mm. a love addict will truly seek and be overattached to relationships and go through withdrawal. So someone who's a love addict, one of the secret shames that they might feel is whenever they go through breakups, they feel it a lot deeper and harder and tougher than someone next to them because the breakup is really connected to that underlying trauma, right? That thing that they're self-medicating. So when when they're trying to break that trauma bond or when they're trying to put limits with that situationship or whatever, um, they might have um, panic attacks. They might have suicidal ideations. They might um, start to self-medicate in other ways, like I was saying before, so they don't ever get to that deep place. They might struggle with depression and it takes a lot longer for them to recover than someone who might be more securely attached or know how to handle relationships in a healthier way. In your most recent um, podcast episode, you spoke about dimming your light for self um, self protection. Um, as an African American woman, me myself, I have a habit of dimming my own light so that I don't offend people. You know, in the office or in the street, I try to come off not too aggressive because, you know, the angry black woman is a a thing. How is this damaging to my authentic self? Mm. Oh, that is such a great question. So when you are dimming your light, you're not using your voice and you're not showing up for your authentic self. So dimming your light involves, I mean, even connected to your question about codependency, it involves you thinking that someone else's needs and what they want is more important than your needs and what you want. So you're, you're, you're getting smaller to appease them. And so true authentic self-love is knowing that I can shine and stand peer level with somebody else. I don't have to uh, accommodate. No, that, that, that for me explains a lot. I mean, I don't like to, I don't like to, you know, overdo things. And sometimes, 
you know, you feel like you're shrinking yourself. You can feel that like, all right, I'm doing this because I don't want to offend anybody, but then you end up feeling some type of way about your own self. Yeah. And it's, it's a self-betrayal. So those of us who dim our light, which is most of us, right? I can even say when I dim my light, we do it in a way to try to self-protect in a way to avoid um, the backlash or avoid someone finding us out or telling us we're not really worthy of the light that we want to shine in and all that stuff. But it doesn't make us feel better. So me making myself smaller and, and efforts to protect my self-worth actually makes me feel lower. And so it's, it's, really, it's really starting to step into the fact that that phrase that goes, other people's opinions have nothing to do with you, especially, you know, talking about being Black women, that internalized racism that has taught us um, overtly and covertly just by being in the country and the and the society that we are, that we have to act a certain way and we have to bend and we have to make ourselves palatable to people um, to realize, to unlearn that. And to say all of that and everybody's opinions are going to exist no matter what I do. So my only responsibility is to actually shine with everything that's inside of me, right? I, I just think about um, how reflexive it is. And this this is related, but it's also a tangent. I remember even recently, so at the time we're recording this, um, you know, Meghan Markle and Harry just had their interview. And so Sharon Osbourne um, from The View was in a whole lot of um, um, controversy because Piers Morgan said said some awful stuff about Megan. She defended Piers Morgan. And so she's on the talk show and she's defending the fact that she's not racist because she defended Piers Morgan. And so her co-hosts are Cheryl Underwood and Elaine. Um, I always say her last name wrong, but Elaine Wainsworth. I, I know that's not how you say it, but but they're on there. And so she is like crying and saying, you know, y'all are... This is a strong paraphrase, but, you know, y'all are like saying I'm racist and, you know, educate me and don't you dare cry because, you know, I'm the one who's like being attacked here. And I watched the clips of, you know, Cheryl trying to um, keep things calm and try to say, you know, I know, friend, that you're not racist, but we're trying to like explain these kind of things. And just the reflexiveness of us as Black women even when we know better, because I know Cheryl knows better. I know we all have these conversations, but when you're in the moment to immediately shrink and try to protect someone else's space instead of knowing, no, I have a right to use my voice and I have the right to say that this is hurtful and this isn't about you. You know, um, that's all the unlearning that we have to do, not only in those spaces, but in our personal relationships and our romantic relationships and our families. And that's part, that is what our journey of healing looks like to show up fully for ourselves as our authentic uh, selves. As women, we are always on a journey. Hey, Queens. Have you been searching for the perfect support group, a community of fearlessly confident sisters to help you conquer your tomorrow? Well, look no further. The Self Love Corner is a support group for you, a community dedicated to empowering, uplifting, and educating women to love themselves better. If you're still not convinced, Queen, let me tell you more. This group includes bi monthly group meetings, free masterclasses, book club discussions, giveaways, and so much more. So come join the Queendom. 
click the link in the show notes to start your self-love journey with Coach G today. I'll see you in the group queens. Sheena, you are so phenomenal. Just FYI, my mom's name is Sheena as well. (laughs) I love the other Sheenas. Yes, she is. Her name is Sheena. So two Sheenas. Yay. (laughs) I have to ask, what are five ways you protect your mental and emotional wellness? Mm, Five ways I protect my mental and emotional wellness. So these are actually going to be things that I'm currently working on because they're top of mind. Um, I am relearning how to say no. So, um, you know, healing happens in layers. So I really perfected saying no in certain ways a couple of years ago with like my boundaries and codependence. Now I'm teaching myself how to say no with my own internal boundaries and learning how to rest. Um, learning how to take breaks. I am learning how to indulge is another one um, and really lean into pleasure for myself and pleasure being my birthright in all areas. Another way I protect my mental and emotional health is I spend um, time journaling and processing and reflecting. And I have multiple ways that I process and I reflect um, and not just one set thing. And which is the next thing that I do for my emotional and mental health is I allow myself to to show up in the way that I need to. And the reason why I say that is because it can be easy to try to fit into a mold and do things the way other people do it. So some people, they do the exact same routine every day and it fits for them, but that doesn't fit for me. I'm a creative. I constantly have ideas. I get restless and I used to shame myself for that. And I've, I am learning and have been learning how to embrace that and lean into that and celebrate it. So I let myself be different. And the last thing is I connect to other people. So those of us with intimacy disorders, it is very easy for us to get into our own little worlds. And um, and so I, I intentionally connect to people and let them in and ask them for their opinion and let them level me and let them help me. <laughs> Letting others love on you and help you is so important. I find that, you know, having a sister tribe, having some sort of tribe and connection with others is so big in healing and the process of healing and in the process of growing. Um, Because we're humans, we all need that connection, that human connection. And so, yeah, that's very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Um, and since we're talking about loving on ourselves and allowing people to love on us, what is your definition of self love? Ooh, girl. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I came with the sauce. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, So the first thing that comes to mind, which is my definition of self-love is self-acceptance and self-kindness and constantly giving yourself those two things in overflow. It is how we know that we feel worthy, is how we allow ourselves to receive all of the good things because we accept ourselves and we are kind to ourselves. 
So I would say it's an intersection of those two, those two things. I always add into my definition of self-love, um, you know, allowing myself to have grace and be in gratitude um, mm-hmm. because, you know, some people and myself included, we struggle with that, that grace part of everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely so self grace, grace for you and, and self-kindness for me. Right. Yeah. So like we make mistakes where not going to be perfect and you know all of that yeah and and i think we not not being perfect and making mistakes and accepting that it's okay to make mistakes it's it is you 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 don't have to be perfect and i just was saying that in my last episode like i know that you know in this this day and age with you know social media we're all trying to live this perfect life and put up these perfect pictures and make everything seem like everything is perfect but it, it really isn't healthy. <laughs> yeah. And you know what that made me just think of? So some of us, or sometimes it can be very easy to say, because we're into this comparison thing with social media, is we'll look at what somebody else has and we'll look and say, okay, I don't have that. So that means I'm imperfect versus your life and how you are and how you show up is perfect for you. Um, And we need to spend time building and growing and cultivating everything that we are instead of saying, I want what they have, right? Yeah, yeah. accept what you have, be grateful and thankful for what you have because it can be taken away in minutes, in seconds, actually. Yeah. And being grateful is not about like, okay, well, you know, mama gave me some Brussels sprouts, so I got to be grateful. But see that what you have on your plate is freaking steak. It's steak and mashed potatoes. (laughs) Like you don't have scraps. So you're not trying to make things work and piece things together. Everything that you have in front of you is built especially for you. Right. Yes. Amen to that. A lot of people don't understand that, but yes, that hits. (laughs) Sheena, do you have a favorite quote? Oh, yeah. I constantly tell my students and I tell myself, you have everything you need inside of you. You have Mm. all of the answers you need inside of you. So one of the things I really um, um, harp on with my students and push with them is helping them start to lean in and listen to that inner voice that may have been muted, that may have been watered down, that it's hard for them to trust. Um, that it's hard for them to believe because that they have all these dreams and desires that they want, but they're afraid to actually put it, make it real. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's my quote. And when you say students, are these the students in the recovery school? Is this the healing circle? Yeah. So the recovery school is my coaching program. So that's where, that's how I help women now. That's how I get to impact their lives and teach them. How does that differ from the healing circle? Yeah, so I started teaching about healing circles and I'm going to start teaching about them more um, late last year because like you were saying before, like sister tribes are so important and there are so many women who I kept hearing from who didn't have women to connect with. And when they did have women, they didn't know how to talk about the things that we're talking about today on the podcast. So healing circles are basically accountability groups and study groups because I have some workbooks that friend friend groups and family groups can do together to kind of talk through like learning how to become vulnerable and self-love and self-care and practice being intimate. Um, I even have directions in some of these um, workbooks that say, okay, when you feel this, this is what you say. When you need help, this is how you ask for it because we really weren't taught this. 
you know, and, and even if we have in the back of our mind, it's like, well, that I might sound weird. And so, no, this is the safe place to practice all of that. I do um, host the self-love um, group on Facebook as well that brings, similar to what you do, it's just just a safe environment for women to talk about the things that they're struggling with and things that they want to overcome, you know, just day-to-day struggles, whether it's from the nine to five, your your household, because right now everybody's stuck inside still. Mm-hmm. Thank God we have a vaccination, but, um, you know, our new normal is being locked in the house, um, you know, doing school, doing work, everything inside. And so some people are really frustrated with that. And so, you know, I started chatting it up with some, you know, other females and groups on Facebook. And I decided that I wanted to start my own Facebook group to help support these women and some of the things that they were struggling with. I love that. Yes, that is so needed. That's amazing. Yeah. Now, one thing that I definitely want to jump in when it comes to you is this beautiful coloring book. Now, <laughs> I <laughs> I am one of the most self-reflecting people. You know, I write everything. Like I'm a writer. So if something's on my mind, I will write it and I won't say it, but I'm, I'm, I like to write. And so when I saw your coloring book and it's so helpful, and I don't think people understand how therapeutic a coloring book for an adult is. Can you let people know what is the power and benefits of coloring books for adults? Oh, there are so many. So first, thank you for that compliment. Um, But one of the things is it really helps you get mindful and connected to the moment. You know, as adults, we are constantly going. There's always something to do. We're always with our thoughts, even when we're sitting still. Um, there's always something to think about. And so when you're coloring, it allows you to connect to yourself, to connect to the paper. Um, it allows you to create. Um, again, a lot of times as adults, we are detached from creating things, even if it's part of our profession, you know, whether it's where we create spreadsheets for a living, or even if we um, do get to the pleasure of drawing or, you know, for me, I create courses. Um, there's not really an aspect of playing. There's not really an aspect of um, doing it for for pleasure and for joy. And so it allows you that that immediate rush that you might have had as as a young child to make something pretty, to make something that um, came from your hands um, and to see the final creation, to use your imagination. Um, And connected to both of those things, it allows you to be in touch with your inner child. It's actually a healing activity to be able to allow that younger part of you to play and to explore and to to show up. And you, you don't really expect that to be as powerful as it is. But once you're in that moment, it's, it's very transformative. Queens out there, I hope that you listen to that and understand what coloring can do for you, especially in stressful times, especially, especially when you're feeling overwhelmed, anxious, you know, depressed. And you just need to center yourself and get grounded. Coloring. Yep. Coloring Coloring. is great. Coloring is it. And then also in our coloring book, you know, there's 25 different pictures and they're all centered around black women and inspirational phrases. There's journaling prompts that go along with them. So it really is built to be a a little mini workbook for you. And I ordered mine. So you got to go and order yours. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) 
And we don't just talk about it and preach about it. We actually go and do here on the Queendom. So y'all better go and buy that book. I'm going to have it. I'm going to make her give me the information. We're going to leak it down in the show notes. So click it and purchase. Awesome. <laughs> Will do. Okay. Before we go, Sheena, um, I like to do story time with some of the phenomenal queens that come onto the platform and share their wise words. Can you tell us a time in your life when you dropped your crown and how you picked it back up? Mm, um, I'm trying not to cheat, but I really do feel like the way that I've show, shown up in previous relationships so I'll, I'll talk about um, my previous employment before I transition into this. Um, and part of the reason I transitioned back into being a full-time therapist is because I was doing some agency work and I was at a place that I didn't feel like I was being as valued as I needed to be. It was affecting my mental health. I was starting to get burnt out. But I, the way I dropped my crown there is I really tried to appease the people that were working there that I was working with. I was trying to really get people to like me. I was like running myself ragged and not, not feeling good on the other end of it. So the way that I picked up my crown is I realized that I deserved more, that I deserve to have peace, that I deserve to, to have something better to be in a place that saw me for who I was. And after I did that, I also needed to forgive myself because I think I think even after we make a decision that's self-honoring, we can have a lot of regret and say, I should have done this and I should have said this and I should have did it sooner. And again, tell ourselves a story about how we're broken or, you know, stupid or foolish or whatever. And I had to forgive myself. I had to say, you know, Sheena you were doing the best that you knew how in the moment and the things that you were doing, they're actually examples of how great of a worker you are, of how dedicated you are, of everything that you do deserve. They're not evidences, uh, it's not evidence of your failure. So, so yeah, that's how I picked it up. Well, there you have it. We all drop our crowns sometime. We all, you know, get off track and we need help to put us back on track. So then you have people like myself and Sheena to help you ladies get back on track. Sheena, I would like to thank you for joining us at the table. Please share where my listeners can connect with you at. Yeah. So they can connect with me at blackgirlshill.org. Um, I have a freebie for them. If they really liked learning about love addiction and love avoidance, and there's also love deprivation that I didn't really talk about as much today, um, you can get that roadmap by going to blackgirlshill.org slash roadmap, and um, you can get it for free and it'll take you through the five steps you need to heal. And you can also find me on the Black Girls Heal podcast. It's available on all of your favorite podcast players. And I talk about all these things every week. Oh, and Instagram. I'm sorry. I should have said our socials. <laughs> I'm on Instagram at Black Girls Tale. I'm also on Facebook and and you'll find all the information on how to work together in my coaching program, The Recovery School. And we're also going to be starting a membership called The Healed and Loved Woman for women who just want to get started with baby steps in this healing process. Queens, now you know where to find her. Go check her out. Definitely listen to the Black Girls Heal podcast. I listen to it every time she drops a new episode and I have my own podcast. So, you know, it's good. Um, <laughs> um, okay, Queen. So 
That's all I have for you in this episode of Let Me Fix My Crown podcast. Please join us again next week for another amazing podcast with another amazing queen. As always, before we part ways, I would like to affirm this in your life. You are beautiful. You are loved, queen. You are appreciated and you are enough. Stay blessed and keep queening. I love you. Mwah.